This episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast is presented by Sling. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. My name is Christopher Harris and I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Kartik Krishnayar. Uh, thanks to Sling for sponsoring this podcast. We've been doing three episodes a week. We've had a, uh, a midweek uh, interview show. Next week's uh, interview will, will be with uh, Guillaume Balaguet. And uh, Kartik and I have been able to do the Mondays and Fridays, which, which is great because there's always so much to talk about. Uh, coming up on this weekend uh, for Sling, they've got the uh, DFB Pokal final uh, through uh, Sling Orange plus the uh, the actual sports pack. And then also, of course, Messi's last game for PSG, uh, the U20 FIFA World Cup. Uh, they got Uruguay against uh, USA. And then last but not least, the uh, CONCACAF Champions League final second leg. Kartik, uh, one of the things that came up in the news this week was something that uh, we knew about on Tuesday. Um, we were uh, on a, a press conference, a media conference call with Apple, uh, with the one of the, the top executives, uh, Eddie Q, to find out more about MLS Season Pass. And uh, we were told ahead of time it was going to be on record, uh, which means we could go ahead and you know, use the information uh, in our articles, etc. Um, so looking at that, we thought, okay, this would be a great opportunity to ask questions. We've got so many questions. We've been talking about MLS season pass forever. And I almost feel that we have to preempt this by saying that both you and I, Kartik, um, we're fans of MLS season pass. Uh, we think it's a really great technology. Uh, we're fans of Major League Soccer. We want we want Major League Soccer to exist and and and, and grow, um, maybe differently than what we what we would like. But still, we don't want it to go out of business by uh, like overnight or anything like that. And and same thing with MLS Season Pass. We want it to succeed. So it was interesting this week when we did get a chance to listen into uh, Apple's executive. And let me go ahead and actually play a clip of that so that listeners who may have uh, not caught the news this week uh, to find out exactly what uh, the Apple executive or the top executives at Apple said about MLS season pass. Good morning, everyone. It's great to see everyone again. It's been a while, but uh, it's been an exciting uh, few months here with the MLS season pass. Uh, we've approached the midpoint of the season, so I thought I'd, I'd come on and reach out to you guys and, and let you know how... Uh, the performance of, of MLS season pass is going. Um, as you know, we're in uh, year one of a 10 year partnership. So this is just the beginning, but we're off to a, a great start with subscriptions, uh, and viewership. Um, we don't share specific subscription numbers, but I can tell you we're, we're certainly doing much better than, uh, we had forecasted. Um, our season pass subscribers are incredibly engaged in, in the number of games that they're watching and how they're tuning in and most importantly the feedback from them um, on the production the quality our commentators uh, the data that we're providing has been uh, over the top positive uh, I think most of, if not all fans uh, really appreciate uh, the commitment and love um, that we're showing for their favorite clubs uh, and so that's something we're very proud of and was our number one goal when we started this was to make sure that in year one, um, we've got all the MLS fans that were out there to feel like uh, and see that we really care deeply about the game that they love and the teams that they love. Um, 
obviously we're not going to sit still. So we're continuing to evolve the product. Um, we're making changes to the service very quickly on a week to week basis, day to day basis. Um, I get a lot of great feedback from users. Uh, I've had a lot of fun texting with owners and players uh, on the weekends, giving me real time feedback on ideas on how to make season pass even better. Uh, and we're listening. Um, for example, we just introduced multi-view uh, on Apple TV 4K, which is, is a ton of fun to watch because you can put one big game and three on the side or four evenly across. It's fun to put uh, three. Well, the way I watch it is I pick the game that I want to watch on the big one, and then I put 360 on one of them and the other two games that I watch. Um, and it's, uh, it's one of those things where if you're a sports fan or an MLS fan, it's just awesome to be able to quickly be able to watch multiple games um, again from with, with ease and not having to worry about any kind of issues with blackouts and all the other things that we're all familiar with. Um, this past uh, week, we, we introduced Rivalry Week we, with uh, a one-month free trial. And uh, later this week, we're going to roll out a mid-season price reduction on the season subscription, um, similar to what other leagues do. Uh, this is a great time, obviously, with uh, the uh, Liga MX tournament coming up, uh, the midseason, and then going into the playoffs. Uh, we think uh, it's a great time um, to go after a, a new set of fans. Um, we are uh, working closely. We continue to work closely with uh, the players, the teams, um, to get more um visibility and social and just doing more things together to make the, the, the highlights, uh, you know, you look at our pages are just constantly updating and evolving in what we're doing. Um, obviously we've got a, a great month ahead, few months ahead with uh, the all-star game. As I mentioned, the league's cup, um, the stretch final stretch of the season and then into the playoffs, uh, Again, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm very proud and, and happy of what we've accomplished so far. Um, but uh, I am sure that the best is yet to come. Uh, we're going to continue to keep growing the fandom for MLS clubs and players and give fans the, the best experience they've ever seen for sports anywhere. Uh, so uh, it's been a great few months uh, for such a quick turnaround. So I'm incredibly proud of, of everyone on our team, uh, everyone in the league, uh, the teams, players, and owners have been instrumental in making this a, a huge success uh, to start the season. So Kantik, some of the things he said in there, just to kind of cue it into, uh, excuse the pun, cue into some of the things that uh, he mentioned. I'm very proud and happy with what we've accomplished so far. And I'm sure the best is yet to come. It's been a great few months uh, for such a quick turnaround. Uh, we're in one year, uh, year one of a 10-year partnership. So this is just the beginning, but we're off to a great start with subscriptions and viewership. We don't share specific subscription numbers, but I can tell you we're certainly doing much better than what we forecasted. Now, Kartik, both you and I, as well as journalists, also have a background in public relations. And based on public relations and, and going into, I mean, speaking to the press uh, and, and the things that they said, that Apple said about this MLS season pass deal, what are your thoughts 
on, on what um, the uh, executive at Apple, Eddie Q, said about MLS Season Pass. I don't buy it. Uh, you can use any sort of metric to justify the numbers internally if you're not sharing with uh, people the numbers uh, externally. So, for example, I know we um, the, were at the NASL able to kind of, uh, because the, the games we had on uh, Goal TV didn't meet uh, the, the, the threshold to be Nielsen rated, and we had local broadcasts. I was able to co- consistently say, hey, you know, we're happy with the numbers. This is better than what we forecast. Um, and it, it plainly weren't, the numbers weren't very good. So I don't know what the internal forecasts were, but we know based on what MLS had promised media partners in the past. And again, we're not talking about Apple. We're talking about Disney and Univision and, 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 and Fox and, and NBC before that. They weren't meeting those marks consistently over the course of the last couple of television deals. The, the eight-year deal that just expired and then prior to that, the deal they had, which included NBC. So we're in a position where we have to be hugely skeptical and we have to analyze this these comments uh, that Eddie Q made. The other thing I would point out is you don't uh, start offering a month-free trial in the middle of the season if you're meeting expectations. You don't um, maybe you do slash the price midseason. Other other sports leagues do that. But the month free trial is a red flag. The fact that T-Mobile gave it free right before the season, you know, after some of us had signed up for it, you know, T-Mobile like myself, um, had, had paid for it, um, that they did that so late was a sign that maybe numbers weren't where they needed to be. And quite honestly, again, you and I talk to a lot of people in and around this sport, Chris. It's what we do, right? This is why we spend most of our time. Um, the numbers, or at least the anecdotal evidence we have, uh, tells me there were a lot of people who were watching MLS at this time a, a year ago who were really plugged into the league, who work in the soccer profession, who just aren't anymore. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that uh, in regards to – what they said, um, and I, actually, well, I, I'm okay with the free trials, right? I'm I'm okay with giving like one month away for free. Uh, I mean, I think I think at this point, Major League Soccer, especially, but but Apple also uh, want to give MLS season pass away as much as for, for for free as much as possible. Get it into more people's hands. Get them watching it. Get them used to it, so that they can at least give it a go. Because uh, in the past, it would have been easier just to watch a game on television. And then, okay, either you're entertained or you're not, but you I mean, you're, you're conscious of it. I, th- I still think there's a lot of soccer fans out there that haven't given uh, MLS Season Pass even a try. So, yes, ideally in a perfect world, I think Apple and MLS should have given the started the free trial maybe month one or month two rather than halfway through the season. Um, this weekend um, that we're taping this, this weekend, all of the games from MLS are available for free on Apple TV. So you don't need Apple TV Plus. You just go it, go to the Apple TV app and you can watch every single game for free. And then we've seen too with MLS 360, the Whip Around show, making that available for free on YouTube. And I wouldn't be surprised too if we see MLS 360 offered in other places for free too just to get it out there, just get people used to it. Get, so so my, my concern about this 
Well, actually, before we get into the concerns, but Kartik, I mentioned that both you and I have backgrounds in public relations as well as journalism. But going into this, I mean, having one of the, the, the big executives at Apple, what was the goal of having for the first time this season, having an Apple executive um, available to the press speaking on record, actually speaking uh, where you can go ahead and you know, take his quotes and, and put those into a story or you know, disseminate it however you wish. And the goal is really is to address the issue, to, to address the concerns that people have out there that numbers aren't so great. So you put this person in the, in, in the position of, okay, like now they've spoken on the record and now they say it's, it's meted, actually exceeded expectations. Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Okay, let's go ahead and, and move on. However, <laughs> I think in many ways by Apple not making the, the executive available for questions, if anything, it, it has the opposite effect. So, so to me, it's hats off to Apple for, for managing to deliver a press statement that really says nothing of note other than you're offering now also the other thing that they're offering too is that you can sign up for MLS Season Pass and instead of paying the $99 for the, the rest of the season, uh, you pay $49. But we're halfway through the season. So, um, yeah, so so that's great. But hats off to Apple for actually managing to uh, deliver a press statement that says nothing of note. They mention that the numbers exceed expectations without mentioning what those expectations were. Uh, they also de declined to answer any questions from the media and as you could hear from that clip, too, it was a relatively short statement to a select group of media. Uh, we, as well as other members of the press assembled, would have loved to have been able to ask some follow-up questions. And 99 times out of 100, when there's a, I mean, an opportunity, whether it's a press conference or it's a virtual press, uh, press conference, we have one next week with CBS Sports, it's open for questions. You mean they will say what they want to say. They will they will talk about through their talking points, but they will give you the opportunity to ask questions. And, and it's a back and forth because oftentimes there might be some things that they forget to say, or there might be something that someone asks that's a really good question that adds more more detail. But nine times out of ten, in these types of situations, you always have the executive available to answer follow up questions. So by Apple not having this executive uh, allowed to answer any questions, any questions from the press, to me, that, that sends the wrong message. It sends the opposite message. What are they trying to hide? Why are they not willing to answer any questions from the from the press, the media? Well, the fact, the timing of this uh, call was a response to rumors and active speculation. Again, not just uh, blind rumors that people are who, who may be wanting MLS to fail, say, oh, they're failing. It's based on significant anecdotal evidence that not just you and I have collected, but other people. And again, I'm saying there were people in the game, people who've worked in MLS who are telling me these things uh, and telling you these things. So uh, that's why the call was, uh, was um, timed when it was. And again, you can say anything if you don't answer questions. So I won't put much stock into it at all. L let me read a, a line from a press release I, I, I received from NBC this week. I, I'm pretty sure you received this also, uh, uh, Chris. 
Peacock's exclusive presentation of Liverpool Arsenal on Sunday, April 9th, we remember that match, averaged 833,000 viewers, the largest streaming audience ever for a Premier League match in the U.S. Peacock also, this is another line in there, Peacock live-streamed four exclusive matches with more than 750,000 viewers, two of which topped 800,000 viewers. So uh, they're giving us the numbers. So maybe um, MLS has a, a El Trafico, some sort of derby match or, or some sort of big match on Apple where there's a significant number, eye-popping number, that they would release, right? I mean, based on the same metric. Uh, and we'll wait for that. Okay, Kartik, let's move on to uh, TV streaming news. We've got some quick hits this week. First up, uh, John Champion and Jim Beglin. First up, John Champion and Jim Beglin are calling the FA Cup final on site from Wembley for ESPN Plus this weekend. Uh, we got some feedback in last week's podcast, or actually earlier this week in the podcast, talking about uh, the dismay in the lack of crowd noise from ESPN Plus broadcasts, because oftentimes the commentators would be calling the games off a monitor from Bristol, Connecticut, rather than at the stadium. So so here's some good news for uh, ESPN Plus uh, subscribers wanting to hear the crowd noise uh, to the full extent with John Champion and Jim Beglin. In an interview with World Soccer Talk, NBC Sports executive John Miller revealed this week, we're not the network of soccer. We have no desire to be the network of soccer, but we do want to be the network of the Premier League. So Kartik, what does this say to you? They're not bidding on anything else. That's what it says to me. Uh, I, I, you, you had a great uh, piece earlier this week at World Soccer Talk about how NBC held the rights and how... Uh, close they were to losing them, which we've talked about many times on this podcast. Uh, I think they may have maxed out in terms of their budget for soccer properties in uh, having to, to, to undertake that to keep the Premier League. So it may be a combination of two things. One, uh, they're really committed to the Premier League, but two, they just don't have the budget for rights fees to, to, to get into bidding wars on other leagues. Now, you do still have um, uh, uh, Super Classico and, and, and stuff like that that they show on Peacock, Telemundo, and, and some of the Telemundo rights they're able to, to uh, leverage. But in terms of NBC on the English language side, uh, this is it. And last but not least, uh, the 2023 edition of the World Soccer Talk Awards are now open at worldsoccertalk.com. You can vote on the best streaming services, commentators, daily soccer TV shows, co-commentators, and more. All of them are available for votes uh, and your vote at uh, worldsoccertalk.com. All right, let's move on to listener mailbag. Uh, first up is Michael Farrow. Michael wants to talk about promotion and relegation. Uh, Michael says, Kartik, a question. Promotion and relegation is one of the six things you think needs to change. What are the other five? Yeah, so Michael, thanks for the question. Um, five other things that I think do need to change are one, you have to have solidarity payments made uniform throughout the uh, the U.S. soccer system currently they're generally not, and uh, you do have MLS accepting solidarity payments but not paying youth clubs uh, in, in that manner. And same thing with uh, training compensation. So that's number two. Training compensation is something that needs to be implemented across the board in U.S. soccer. Now there are people 
connected with U.S. soccer and connected with sports agencies that have said that this violates antitrust laws in the United States. Now, I, uh, I, I, I get that they can make, you can make fancy legal arguments about everything, but Canada has stronger antitrust laws in the United States, by the way. The EU has stronger antitrust laws in the United States. The U.K. has stronger antitrust laws in the United States. All these places have a universal regime of training compensation and solidarity payments. Um, number three would be calendar change. We've talked about this a lot on the podcast. Um, I think there are ways it can be tweaked. It doesn't have to be this uh, uh, apocalyptic uh, uh, pronouncement from some people who live in, in Minnesota or, or in uh, New England that, oh, everybody will freeze to death. Actually, the heat and thunderstorms are actually more of a problem in much of the country than extreme cold when it comes to playing an outdoor sport in a sport where uh, the heat can can kill you, but you still have to have a winter break uh, to, to account for those uh, those uh, extreme climates in, in places like New England and uh, Denver and, and Minnesota. This also might involve getting Canadian teams out of the U.S. leagues, but that's something that probably should be done anyway. We can talk about that another time. Uh, and you can schedule in such a way where you still have a winter break, you have a summer break, and you schedule strategically. Um, number four would be having an allowance where supporters can own a club in the professional ranks. Currently, because of the pro league standards, you can only have uh, clubs that have someone with a net worth of whatever this, the number is. It's twenty. Uh, it, it's twenty billion, twenty million in subdivisions, forty million. 100 million, whatever, um, based on the division level, both on the men's and women's side. Uh, there is no ability for you to have a true supporter-owned club with a supporter-controlled board, which we see all over the world. We see the entire German league is structured that way. I'm not saying every club should be structured that way. You still want to attract foreign investment. You still want to attract um, the sort of uh, money that, that uh, MLS has. In some some cases, there's some great ownership groups in MLS. Um, and then the the fifth thing I would change is stop this idea of markets and geofencing and saying basically, hey, uh, uh, there's a hundred mile restriction. We have a, a, a team. This is for both USL and MLS. It's well, both leagues do this um, and NWSL. Uh, there there are uh, there's a team in this city, so uh, you have to go a hundred miles away. The essence of this sport is based around local derbies and local clubs. And we can't have those for the most part in this uh, sport because of these territorial restrictions and, and geofencing and stuff. The El Trafico is an exception, right? Um, you know, if you consider the Hudson River, Darby, sure, I mean, you're still going from uh, Harrison, New Jersey to the Bronx. Uh, some people in New York would not consider that a derby. You have to have... Um, you have to have these rivalries develop. This season, Brentford, small neighborhood club in West London, finished ahead of Chelsea for the first time in 70 years, 70 plus years in the league table. Every Brentford supporter will pass on to their kids and they'll pass on to their kids the 2022-23 season where we finished ahead of our big brother locally. We beat them at Stamford Bridge and we, we cleared them by 15 points. That's the stuff that builds the sport. That's the sport start stuff that builds supporter lore. And we need more of that. There should be a Queens team. There should be a team in Brooklyn. And they should be playing each other in the first division in the United States. 
Next up is Stefan. Stefan says,、uh, with all the discussion of Major League Soccer, my question is, why do I have to watch MLS? DC United is my local in quotation marks MLS team three hours away. Thus, in this globalized world,、um, my connection to them is via watching my couch. And how is that any different than my connection to Barcelona or Dortmund via watching on my couch? MLS has given me no incentive to pick watching them over La Liga or the Bundesliga for reasons already mentioned in other listeners' emails. So why should I? Yes, and this is also something that I think is important to note. That I think there are a number of American investors that would invest in MLS or invest in, in domestic soccer if it were an open system that have taken their money overseas.、Uh, that's a great list of clubs. I'd add Leon to that, Crystal Palace to that. Uh, Etc. I mean, I, I think about Wes Edens,、um, who, who you mentioned, Tyler.、Uh, he owns the Milwaukee Bucks.、Uh, they've been very, they've been incredibly successful since he bought them from、uh, Herb Cole,、uh, who uh, uh, the club was less successful under、uh, the, the ownership of Senator Cole. He has spent a ton of money in my state, in Florida, where we have two MLS teams and a bunch of lower division teams.、Um, upgrading、um, our rail system to where we will have the best rail system in the country. Uh, by uh, this winter、uh, in 2023,、uh, Wes Edens has put more money into Brightline than anyone. Yet he took his money in thinking about this sport specifically, invested it in Birmingham in the UK, and not in Florida, where he's tied up with all these other things. So to me, that's very telling. And this, he bought Aston Villa at a time when. David Beckham and MLS were actively looking for a partner、uh, to help fund the、uh, MLS team in South Florida, and Edens had no interest and wanted to invest in Aston Villa. So I, I think that's very telling. Another argument to pro rel is,、uh, which shouldn't even be an argument, is that MLS owners don't want to lose their investment by paying the expansion fee. The Premier League alone has more than fifty percent American owners. Stan Kroenke, who owns a MLS team on top of a team in every Amer- American sport except Major League Baseball, and other American owners such as the Glazers at Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Shahid Khan at、uh, the Jaguars, Fenway Sports Group for Red Sox, Wes Edens NBA's Milwaukee Bucks, among、uh, other owners. This does not include minority owners or owners of lower league clubs such as LeBron at Liverpool, JJ Watt at Burnley. Robin Ryan at Wrexham, etc. That also doesn't include owners of other foreign clubs such as Roma and Marseille. If American celebrities and businessmen were really that concerned about losing their money, why would they have invested a significant amount of money, even in a in a minority stake, into a club、uh, overseas with the risk of relegation, which can be catastrophic for clubs? Well, in terms of yeah, if you're only concerned about who wins the title, sure. But I, I would argue、uh, the relevance in Liga One is there are probably you could argue Portugal and Spain also, but I think there are more good young players coming out of that league that end up at the top clubs in the world than any other league in the world. So for someone like me, there's relevance even if PSG is winning the title by 30 points,、uh, and we had an exciting title race actually. Monster, I, I think. Uh, are only、uh, four points, four or five points behind them.、Um, so I, 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 I agree in principle, Chris, that that there is a、uh, issue with、uh, the relevance in terms of the title. But as a soccer fan, I'm still incentivized 
to follow Liga uh, in a way I'm not with MLS. With MLS, uh, you've had Al Moron and you've had Alfonso Davies. You've really had three standout players come out of that league in the last six years or so that have made an impact, a big impact at a higher level. So um, I still rate the French League in terms of just relevance, even if it's not always the most exciting title race. Last but not least, uh, Chris says uh, the excitement of this past weekend in Italy, Germany, and England is a bad thing, not only for MLS, but also League 1. As someone who watches a few matches from that league per week as a neutral, I have to say that there is very little meaning in the majority of uh, French League matches, apart from those that involve or affect the relegation battle, especially this season. However, credit to Lons for extending the title fight as long as they did in qualifying for the Champions League. All right, listeners, we have a new way for you to get involved in the listener mailbag. You, you can call us and leave us a voicemail, and we'll play it in a future episode. Uh, to leave an audio listener comment for us, uh, ba- basically go ahead and call this phone number, which is 561-247-4625. We'd also love to hear from you in other ways too. Uh, so the website, it's worldsoccertalk.com. Click on podcast and then leave your comment in the most recent episode. You can go to uh, email, email us at web at worldsoccertalk.com. There is also facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. Send us a message there, or you can tweet us at worldsoccertalk. And then Kartik. Yeah, we're going to get back to talking more about reform in U.S. soccer next week, but it's been heavy FA Cup final because it's a Manchester Derby uh, which really kind of is the uh, genesis of my fandom of English football has been around the Manchester Derby prior to the Manchester City takeover. So uh, those matches under Kevin Keegan, uh, love to romanticize about. City beat United a lot, actually, under uh, under King Kev. So uh, King Kev had, had a thing for United, as we know, right? Uh, as a Liverpool player, Newcastle manager, Man City manager. Uh, so a lot on that uh, over at beyondthe90.substack.com. Enjoy your football.